Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the HR from Happy Valley podcast. You're listening to the HR After Dark group, and we are excited to have the chance to talk to you about all things human resources. I have two other group members here with me. First, we can start with Taylor. Taylor, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, guys. My name is Taylor. I'm from about 30 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. I have a lot of experience in the hospitality industry. I was previously a restaurant manager of a full-service restaurant for about two years. I've also traveled and been out of the country 17 times, so I'm very familiar with other cuisines. I've also been a Bev cart girl and a bartender down in Nashville for a couple of years. In the hospitality industry, I want to focus mainly on the real estate side of things because I think that would really be a lot of fun. When I was growing up, I never wanted to be a princess or a ballerina or an astronaut. I always wanted to do something related to food and people, and those are my two favorite things. So hospitality kind of combines both of those. Libby, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, guys. I'm Libby Weinrau. I'm from New York. I'm currently actually in New York. And growing up here really um, brought out my love for the hospitality industry. Um, I'd like to pursue a career in hotels and clubs, even though most of my experience is actually from the restaurant industry. Um, I spent last semester studying abroad in Barcelona, and that really brought out my love for travel and tourism and really made me appreciate um, the hospitality industry even more. Um, I'm so excited to share my experience with you guys in this podcast, and I'm excited to be a part of the HR After Dark team and share my passion for hospitality with you all. Um, Ava, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, my name is Ava. I'm from a very small town called PA, located in Upper Central Pennsylvania. Um, my focus is also hospitality, um, and my experience is, in the beginning, was within restaurants for about four years, both front and back of house. I worked in a resort for a year, a year or so, um, hotels at a, as front desk for both resorts and us regular hotels, and um, I've also done some social media marketing as well. Um, within this experience, my future interests are still undecided, but I'm currently on the hunt for a career that best suits me. Okay, so in our segment, Here's the Buzz, we're going to be discussing a number of HR cases and providing our personal insights. All right, so this is our Here's the Buzz segment. Um, the way this is going to work is we each have an article to talk about, and we're each reporting from three different desks. My desk is um, related to something important in HR, and the important topic I'm talking about is how science shows, um, this is what the article's called, is science shows most high achievers had troubled childhoods. Elon Musk's sister just explained why he's the perfect example. Now, this article is from um, Forbes magazine, and it talks about how overachievers, um, they list Howard Schultz, Madonna, Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, those were examples of high achievers that have had tragic childhoods. And they kind of go about telling about Elon Musk as well. He's a very um, important man, very successful, lots of money. He must have it all. But it kind of goes in the show how his troubled childhood affects how he does his work now. It talks about how, like, he came from an emotional and abusive 
family and it was more it was mostly all his father his mom was also part of the like she would she was with the kids she would like get the abuse and stuff like that and they talked about how his troubled childhood of the abuse and emotional traumas kind of relate into his um, work ethic and how he works and why he's become so successful and why he's such a high achiever. Um, and they kind of go about saying how they adapt certain skills in their childhood, such as stress management and becoming tougher and more tolerant of difficult conditions. And they can adapt to um, physiological stress through exposure as well from these traumas. Um, Taylor, what do you think about that? Like, have you ever thought about um, high achievers in this context or ever thought about them having a troubled childhood and that it would affect their work ethic? Never actually. But like, now that you mentioned it, I was like thinking while you were talking, I was like, it, I like, I fully understand that. But like, I've heard Elon Musk, he's talked about all the time in regards and relationship to, you know, Twitter and all of his kids he's having and Tesla and all these things. But I've never once heard about his trauma which I think is crazy because you think people would talk about that. Like Madonna and those other people you talked about, like I never heard that. But I mean, I guess like trauma does play a huge part in who we become as adults. And if he wanted some control over his life, I could fully understand like why he's so successful, you know, because on the surface, he, his life seems, seems picture perfect. Like he has all this money, he must have it all, but you know, no one really understands what's behind the curtain of a person, you know, what they've gone through, what they're going through. I just think that's a perfect, perfect example. Right. Yeah. And like how we never think about how those traumas the kid would relate into his work ethic today and how like he's trying to overachieve. He's trying to prove himself to like say his parents or prove himself in general because he was always brought down as a kid. Um, Libby, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think a lot of the times with um, with people that grew up in like maybe a not so stable environment, I think they um, try to compensate for their childhood in some way and some mm -hmm. of the um, trauma that they've endured. And I think um, this is just a really positive way to channel that trauma into something um, into something so big and so successful. So I think it's nice to see all these really successful people and hear their really traumatic stories and um, how they grew up and see how they channeled that to create something um, so successful. So I think that's um, something we can learn from these people. And um, just I think that's a great form of motivation. Obviously, it's not great that they had to um, endure all of that, but um, at least it turned out good for them in some way, and they got to um, and they got to turn their lives around. Absolutely, yeah, that's honestly impressive that they were able to do that. You know, I, I can't even imagine like going through all of that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's crazy, but um, I think it's honestly really nice to see. Right. Yeah. So one amazing article. And what is the desk you are talking about, um, Taylor? So the desk I decided to talk about was something to think about. So I focused more on why uh, employers should, should let their employees take three-week vacations. So the International Classification of Diseases defines a burnout as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. 
It is characterized by three dimensions. So the first one is feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's jobs or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. And the third is reduced professional efficiency. So I think at one point or another, every single uh, employee in America has felt one of those three things, if not all of them. And probably most likely within the past couple weeks or months. Um, so when I was reading this article, one thing that really stood out to me was that employers say that you shouldn't take three week vacations because then your job will realize they don't need you. Which honestly, I like, I had to reread that multiple times. I was like, did I really just read that right? And because personally to me, I think that is the worst approach as a, as an employer because I think in reality, you'll probably miss your employees moving on for that long, but you know who, who you'll miss even more? An employee that quits because you wouldn't approve their vacation time. And trust me, I have seen it multiple times. And we did, the restaurant I used to work at, you know, employees would leave because of that. So, and I think the reason this is becoming a topic right now is solely because of social media and specifically TikTok, because we see how people in these other countries, how they all live. And we're kind of all getting like the first hand or not first hand, but like secondhand experience because we're seeing real life, all of these people. So when I was watching, I don't know if you guys watched the show, Emily in Paris that came out on yeah. Netflix. Um, but one thing that one of the actors said was Americans live to work, Europeans work to live. And that has stuck with me ever since I've seen that show because I was watching it and I was like, you know, they're taking these long lunch breaks, they're going into work when they want, and they kind of leave when they want, and everyone just looks so happy in the workplace. And then you come to America, and it's like, people don't want to work, and you're clocking in and clocking out to the specific time that you, you know, were scheduled to be there. And just, it, everyone seems so, just not happy, just like miserable, honestly. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see how um, other countries deal with this and their, like, alternate approaches to this. I know, like, in Spain, they have this thing called a siesta, which is just a long break in the middle of the day, usually during lunchtime, where everyone just gets to go home, reset, eat their lunch, and then come back um, to the workplace. So I think that's a nice approach to it, where it's maybe not cutting down on... Um, on vacation days or anything, but um, it does give you a break in the middle of the day to regroup and to prevent burnout. So I think that's a really cool approach that they have in Europe that maybe um, we can adopt here in the US. What do you think? Yeah, like that is such a simple way to fix such a big problem. Like um, Taylor said, us working all the time and not getting these longer vacation times you really come to see how when you take those vacations off, you really, it brings to light how much you are giving to your work. And I feel like people, if they were to get these breaks in the day to just regroup and like kind of refresh for the day, they would do their work so much better and still be okay with the fact that they're working a certain amount of hours. When they take these vacations, it won't feel so much like a, like a, I don't know, awakening to how much you've been working lately it'll be more of just something you do not to get away from work itself but just to like have fun if that makes sense rather than like I'm so glad I don't have to go to work for the next week because I took a vacation you know what I mean yeah definitely 
Yeah. Um, so I think my article kind of um, has to do with um, burnout and stress and what what Taylor was talking about. So I'm going to be reporting from the something to watch out for desk. And I think job stress is something that we really should all be watching out for. So my article is called This is how job stress can worsen your health, according to science. And this article is from fastcompany.com and it was published in 2022. So um, I think it's interesting to see how job stress not only affects your quality of work, but also your quality of life and your health. So um, this article kind of talks about how work stress, work stress impacts every part of our lives from our physical health, our emotional well-being, and even our lifespan. Um, so a lot of this mental frustration and anxiety of at work has been proven to affect our energy levels, which is why we may not be as productive or we may just be feeling um, just mentally drained um, most of the time. So um, job stress can also lead to lack of sleep, which can in turn negatively affect our work. So the article gives a few tips on how to manage stress. So it recommends meditation, which um, it says actually works for a lot of people, which you wouldn't really think, but um, meditation is a good is a good way to deal with that. Physical activity is good, and that's like, um, and that's um, um, scientifically proven to increase serotonin levels. Um, and um, music is also a good way for um, people to deal with job stress, and it also really encourages connecting with coworkers and developing positive relationships in the office. And I think that's a really good one because I think it could just make the workplace a much more pleasant place to be in and take a lot of the weight off um, and the negative feelings that we have associated with work. So um, what do you guys think? So, Libby, I actually think it's really interesting that you picked that article because I personally relate to that on such a deep level. Over the summer, I was working at this one bar and I would literally work 17 to 18 hour days on my feet with no breaks because like they maybe gave us 10 minutes to eat. But even if when we would eat, we'd have to be on our feet. So I would get to work at like 8 a.m. I work all all day to like 2 a.m. when we close and then you know I'd have to clean the bar so I wouldn't get out till 2 33 in the morning and then wake up at 8 a.m. the next day and do it all over again and it got to the point where when I hit the 10 12 hour mark I was so miserable I did not want to talk to any customers I didn't want to talk to the employees which honestly I think not only affected me like the money because obviously I was working based off tips but it affected their view of the restaurant. And I wasn't like trying to purposely be me. It was just like, I was so burned out and I would do that, you know, four or five days in a row. And then on my, you know, two days off, two, three days off, whatever I got that week, I wouldn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go see my friends. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sleep, which also negative impacted me. And then, you know, when I get off work, the last thing I wanted to do was eat. So I would just go to bed and sleep as much as I can and the next morning I'd wake up and not eat again and that's really bad for your physical health yeah I think it's important to find um a line between your work life and your personal life and I think it's important to have um to have an actual time to make 
a personal life and find hobbies and do things that make you happy, even though work is important. But I think um, for your mental health and your physical health, it's important to have a moment to just regroup and um, just be able to focus on things that truly make you happy. Um, what do you think, Ava? Yeah, those are all very valid points you guys made. And I love that your article went hand in hand with Taylor's article. Um, I feel like those are both very important topics to think about, especially in today's world, um, coming out of COVID and everything like that. You have all this more, this need for workers and need for like higher positions, entry levels positions, really needing to find a balance with your employees between your work and your life. And especially that will help that stress management that you were talking about. So I feel like all three of our articles were all basically kind of around the same kind of idea. They all had to do with how work and the hours and time we put into it really does affect um, employees and how they want to live their lives. And they all do want this more of a work-life balance now. So I feel like it's going to have to be something that everyone implements in, in their companies. So um, so that's all we have for the buzz. Um, any, um, the next segment we'll be doing is Global Spotlight, which is very exciting. We'll be talking to students in the Netherlands about how their HR is and how it compares to the United States. So very excited for that. listeners to our third segment on HR from Happy Valley's HR After Dark group. This is Ava, and with me again, I have my other two podcast members, Taylor and Libby. Hi, guys. This is Libby. Hi, guys. It's Taylor. Happy to be back with you. This segment is going to be a little different. We are very excited to have two guests with us all the way from the Netherlands, Iris Shute and Flora Donkers. Hi. Nice to meet you all. I'm Iris. Hello, my name is Fleur and I'm from the Netherlands and I'm a student at the Hotel Management School uh, Maastricht, such as Iris. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks, ladies. We are going to be talking about the ever popular topic today, work-life balance and burnout. I will be presenting three questions to Taylor, Iris, Fleur and Libby, and they will be giving their opinions and insights on the questions. We are very, very excited to have a global perspective from all of our guests our guests, along with a more local perspective as well. So let's get started. The first question is going to be, um, ladies, please discuss one of the most critical aspects of the work-life balance and burnout issue um, in the workplace. Uh, so if I may start. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I think the problem is uh, really amongst uh, Young people in the Netherlands, uh, I came across a podcast, Young Ones, the podcast, uh, which talked about the following. In the Netherlands, change is much needed because in the Netherlands, one in three young people experience performance pressure and one in seven mental uh, complaints, uh, complaints as a result. So I think change under the younger people is very much needed. Yeah, and I really uh, want to uh, add something on that because the problems under the young people is because uh, the people who are in their 20s demand too much of themselves because they think that everyone needs to be done by yeah by them and everything needs to be finished. 
And as well is that the government isn't doing anything for the young people about the expanding cost or yeah, the study pressure and something like that. So I think there's a problem as well that the government isn't doing anything for them. So maybe someone would like to say something about their view, Taylor or Libby? Yeah, um, I agree with you guys. I think um, also in the U.S., I think um, mental health is a huge part of it and how um, work-life balance and burnout affects mental health. Um, so I think that's kind of like um, a global phenomenon right now that's happening that um, especially for young people, um, we're seeing work-life balance and burnout affecting um, not only their performance at work, but also um, their general happiness. And I think that's a concern that we should all be um, focusing on. Yeah, I think uh, it's very important for our generation now to highlight this because mental illness was never really talked about, you know, with the older generations, but it's something that's very prevalent right now. And I think this is something that all companies are going to have to kind of try to monitor and figure out the best course of action because everyone's dealing with mental health or knows someone who's dealing with mental health. Thank you, ladies. That's, those were all very um, good insights on the matter. For the second question, I'm going to ask you to discuss one or two managerial solutions or best practices to combat this issue. Yeah, I would like to start because Libby already mentioned um, the work-life balance, but I think that one solution is um, finding a work-life harmony rather than a balance um, because it's shown that people who aren't talking about their uh, yeah personal life on the work floor, they are having yeah troubles on getting a harmony between the work-life yeah work-life harmony. So I think that's one solution. Yes. I think you're totally right there, Fleur. Um, but I also believe that this is mainly the problem with the older generations that I don't really talk about it. So I think you have to solve the problem for the future by making people aware of it at an early age um, and getting them to seek help uh, when they feel pressure or stress and make them feel that it is okay to discuss uh, these problems and their personal life at work. Yeah, based off of what Fleur said originally and then Iris, you followed up a little bit, but talking about how you know managers don't really ask you how your day's going or how your personal life is, it's kind of work is work and you know personal is personal. Uh, I actually have a personal experience from that. So at this restaurant I used to work at, the one manager did not care at all about how you were doing, how your life was going. But then in the same restaurant, another manager did care. And everyone would want to work on the manager shift that, you know, carried us and asked how we were doing. Because it was just a better workplace harmony and everyone walked in there, you know, in such a good mood. And we were excited to go to work with the manager who didn't really care about us. We were like, why do why should we care about coming to work? Yeah, I totally agree with that, Taylor. And um, I think another thing that can really help is looking to other places and cultures to um, see how they handle it and if they have a better handle on things. So 
For example, I know in Spain, they have this thing called siesta where they take a few hour break in the middle of the workday just to eat lunch, rest, take a nap, and then everyone like goes back to work. So um, I think having something like that, that um, balances your everyday workday, I think that can also um, greatly benefit um, work-life balance or work-life harmony, like Flora said. Um, so I think it's, it really is important to look to other cultures and see what, what works for them and what they're doing. Thank you, ladies. Now let's just discuss what we talked about because a lot of good points were made. Um, does anybody want to elaborate on what they said? I heard a lot of things that could possibly like go together, um, ideas that may, may want to be discussed further, like Libby's saying the longer breaks, if anybody thinks that's a good idea or anything like that. Yeah, I love the idea of having like breaks throughout the day or longer breaks. I just think that just little break in, to break up your day. Um, I mean, that's just so important. And it just gives everybody like time to just rest and time to just, you know, chill out and be with loved ones. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think like here in the U.S., like one thing that I think, I don't know if you've noticed this, Taylor, but our lunch breaks are very short. Um, sometimes we're not even really given time to have our lunch breaks. And so I think it's, I think that can be something important to implement into our society that um, can really help um, not only with like work-life balance and burnout, but I think it can also help improve performance in the workplace. Yeah, thanks, ladies. Um, Flora and Iris, I heard some really good points from you guys. Um, over in the Netherlands, do you guys have anything that they implement that you think like the U.S. should have or anything? Um, to be honest, not yet. Uh, I do believe so. Um, but if I look at, for example, I have been an exchange student in Denmark. And if I look at the difference there... Uh, you don't feel pressure like sometimes you cannot um, stick to like a planning that you make because personal things happen and there like then it's okay to tell them okay I'm not going uh, to make the deadline and they will be okay uh, don't worry take your time like rest and sleep good and we will get it done instead of being like a deadline is a deadline and it's your problem. Yeah, indeed. I agree with Iris because yeah, right now there's nothing we or the Netherlands is doing about it. But um, on the example Taylor gave, she have in her personal life, I want to elaborate on that because I heard, I heard from a friend of mine who was working in such a environment as Taylor that when the manager is asking, how are you feeling? What can we do for you today? People are more yeah, happy to work and they want to work for their money and something like that. So I think that's important to keep talking about it. And I think that's needed everywhere in the world. All right, thanks ladies. Um, for our last question of the segment is going to be a lightning round. So I'm just gonna ask you ladies to provide your concluding points in just five words. I think for me, the five words who are the most important is work-life harmony, fun, 
self-love, engagement, and recogni recognition uh, yeah, for your family and the job? I think I totally agree with your uh, words, Fleur. I just want to add, um, yeah, uh, I agree with work-life harmony, fun, and engagement. But I would love to add uh, personal development and flexibility. I would add on to that uh, confidence, because I think if you have confidence in the workplace, you don't only perform better, but you're just happier. And I think that translates to also your other coworkers. If you're confident and you're happy, then everyone around you and your customers are also going to feel that way. Um, I would on a, add on to that. Um, like off of what Taylor was saying, I would add um, like being comfortable in the workplace and being comfortable with your managers and your coworkers. Um, like she said, um, she had a manager that she, that was super friendly and made them feel appreciated. And she had one that didn't make them feel so comfortable. So I think having someone to make you feel comfortable and um, that makes makes you and your work feel appreciated. I think that's something important too. So my two words would be comfort, comfortable and appreciate, appreciative. Yeah. All right, thanks ladies. Um, thank you for all your insight. I feel like we um, all learned a little bit today. Hopefully also with our listeners, they learned something as well. We have heard today that work-life balance should be more seen as work-life harmony from Fleur. Um, which is a very good point. It's going to be difficult to find work-life balance for individuals in any situation because ultimately life is very busy inside and outside of the workplace. And then we mentioned some things that could be um, implemented managerially could be longer breaks to fully rest, like we heard from Libby, or being more open to your managers with concerns you may have about finding this work-life balance or like this work-life harmony, since talking about mental health and struggles aren't usually talked about in the workplace because they can be a little awkward or just the generational difference just doesn't really match up. So thanks everyone for listening and more important, importantly, thank you Iris and Flora for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Um, it was really nice to get to see a global perspective on this issue since us here in the United States don't really get to see um, a difference from here, especially over to the Netherlands. So I really like to thank you ladies for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you, Iris and Fleur, for joining us for this segment and giving your global perspective. Thank you guys also so much. Uh, it was very nice to meet you all and to work with you uh, on this podcast. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, girls. I was very happy to be here with you and have a nice evening.